so trust my navigation. All right. Well, hey, good morning. We are again excited to have each of you here. Thanks so much for being here. Uh, as we continue to do this online, I know that this would not be uh, how any of us would really choose to do this. Uh, I guess that's not true. I'm hearing more and more of you are really liking pajama church. Um, but anyway, uh, it is great to connect with you each week uh, here as we do this online. I do want to take just a second and tell you uh, about a video that Elizabeth and I put together this week. Uh, we posted it on Facebook. Uh, and just really sharing with you uh, and letting you know kind of our plan and our process as a church as the, as the reopening process begins, um, sort of how we're approaching this as a church and what it will look like so you can be aware of that. So uh, that is online. It's on our Facebook page, and uh, we'll also get it put up on our, on our website. So take a look at that, and you can see what it is that we're doing. Uh, this morning, we are kicking off a new series, as Clayton mentioned, is a series called Fork in the road. And, and what we know is that in our lives, we're influenced by a lot of things. There are a lot of different circumstances and situations that we have to deal with where we have to begin to make decisions. And a lot of times, things that we deal with in our life are things that are completely outside of our control. We just have to deal with them. I mean, where you were born, no control. The time you were born in history, nothing you can do about that. The weather, we can't control the weather. Uh, your metabolism, well, I'll speak for myself, my metabolism changing where I used to be able to eat whatever I wanted and it didn't matter, to now if I look or smell a donut, um, calories actually just get added somehow. I don't know how that works. Um, so sometimes things happen to us that way. Um, other times there's factors that are just completely outside of our control, but it was because somebody else decided something. Maybe, maybe your company decides that they have to lay you off. Maybe the coach isn't playing your kid very much, but you've already spent a ton of money on private lessons. Maybe your house goes up in value just because everybody else is trying to buy a house. There are all of these different things that can happen to us, and, and what ends up happening is that we then have the privilege of deciding how we're going to respond. We have the opportunity to look at those moments and figure out what we're going to do as we face the challenges of life, the opportunities of life, the relationships, those things that we encounter. And the reality is that all of us will have these moments of decision. We will all face forks in the road where we have to determine the direction that we're going to take. And, and really, you can't say, ah, I'm not going to make a decision because no decision actually is a decision. Years back, um, I was at Costco with one of my kids, and, and we had finished shopping the store or whatever, and we had our bounty of whatever we were going to get, and we were standing in line, and all of a sudden, my kid says, Dad, I, I need to go to the restroom. I'll be right back. So I'm like, go for it. You know, we're gonna, I'm going to be in line for a while. We're at Costco. Go for it. So I'm standing there, and about four minutes later, I get a text. And the text is from, from him, and he says, I'm stuck in the bathroom. I, I text I go, what do you mean, stuck? He's like, well, I, I, I'm trapped. I'm trapped in the bathroom. I'm like, I don't understand what you're saying. What, we're text I'm like, well, I, explain. What do you mean you're trapped? Now, I have two boys. I have one girl, uh, and in case you didn't pick up on it, this was one of my sons, and he says this. He said, Dad, I was, I, was, I was playing on my phone. I was playing a video game as I was walking into the bathroom, and I, I had my head down, and I wasn't paying attention, and I just had my head down, and I, I walked into the bathroom, and I got into the stall, and I'm sitting here, and as I'm sitting here, all of a sudden I recognize that there's ladies everywhere. So he had walked himself into the women's restroom, completely unaware, and now he's sitting in the stall, and he's like, Dad, it was actually Cade. Cade's like, Dad, what do I do? So now suddenly, Kate and I are both at a fork in the road. 
Like, like, what am I going to do for my kid? I mean, like, I thought about, I was like, well, I could go pull the fire alarm, and then, you know, we'd clear the building, and he's able to get out. Um, I could go stand at the door, not let any ladies into the restroom until it cleared out, and then he could come out. Then I just suggested a couple things for him that he could choose to do. He could decide. I said, listen, you can just, you can just wait until it sounds like it's clear, you know, wait till you don't hear any voices, and then run for it. I said, we could just hang out until Costco closes. Or I said, you know what you could do? Just, just get up, put your head down, and just walk as fast as you can. And he's like, Dad, that's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to go for it. And then he texts me back, and he says, Dad, should I wash my hands? I was like, no, just, just get out as fast as you can, and then go to the men's room, and you can wash your hand. And in your life and in my life, we will find ourselves standing at different forks in the road where, where we have to make a choice, where we have to make a decision. And, 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 if we, and we want to know what God, what God is directing and what God wants for us in our life. We want to decide his best and follow his leading. We want to do what's best for our relationships. We want to do what's best for our career. We want to create great opportunities. Uh, you know, we got to figure out how are we going to respond to rude posts on Facebook. All of these different things that we're faced with where we have to make decisions. And so over the next four weeks, we're going to try and dive into some more specifics about that and how we can be more successful as we face these different fork-in-the-road moments. But this morning, I want to kind of step back, kind of a high-level view, and get a broader look at how you and I can establish some guidelines for how you'll make decisions and how you'll decide when you come to these moments. Because what I know and what you know is that only you know exactly what you're living with and what it is that you're dealing with. My realities are unique to me. Your realities are unique to you. The financial situations that you're dealing with are different than mine. Family dynamics come into play. We've got to deal with things like our ages and health and the past that we've experienced. We all have different aspects that, that impact how it is that we'll respond and how, will we, how we will decide when we reach a fork in the road. But the guidelines that I want to roll out today, really, each of us can use them in our life. We can each lean into these guidelines when we come to a moment of decision. These really can apply to pretty much all situations. Now, to see these guidelines that we're going to look at, I want to look at a very familiar story for most of you. It's a story that most of the time preachers just save for Easter, but I like to switch things up, um, do things that maybe you don't expect, keep you on your toes. So we're going to look at a story today that, that actually, I think, really establishes sort of the guideline that opens it up for us to have the freedom that, that Jesus wants to say, listen, you can make some calls in your life, you can make some decisions. And so we can lean into him for that decision as we're looking at these different moments and as we're making the choices that we need to make, and I think there's some guidelines that we can pull out of this story. Now, this story was actually recorded by one of Jesus' friends, uh, one of the guys named Matthew, uh, spent three years with Jesus, followed Jesus around, listened to Jesus, um, and he was there, and, and he was recording and taking notes on all of these things. Now, just before the story that we're about to read, uh, Jesus had just been arrested, he had been tried for crimes that he didn't commit. He, they made up things, and he, he was found guilty. Jesus was then tortured and, and nailed to the cross. And while Jesus was hanging on the cross, he died. And, and eventually his body was taken down, and, and he was wrapped up, and he was buried in a tomb. And then three days later is where we pick up the story. It's Sunday morning. That's where the story's at. That's what we're going to focus this morning. Listen to how the story goes. It says this. It says, Early on Sunday morning after the Sabbath, on the first day of the week, as the new day was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary 
Isn't that sad for the other Mary? That's all she gets, just the other Mary. Anyway, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went out to visit the tomb. Suddenly there was a great earthquake. For an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, rolled aside the stone, and sat on it. His face shone like lightning, and his clothing was as white as snow. The guards shook with fear when they saw him, and they fell into a dead faint. Now here's what I think is kind of funny. The guards didn't faint at the earthquake, and they, and they didn't faint when the stone was rolling away. It was when they saw the angel that they got scared. That's when they passed out. That's how shiny his face was. That's how white his robe was. They passed out. Now, now in all fairness, I mean, like the earthquake and the rolling stone, like those things could just happen, and clearly the angel showing up was a supernatural moment. Something that nobody expected. I mean, these guards, you got to figure, they thought that they had kind of drawn a, a pretty easy gig, right? Go, go guard the dead guy, right? I mean, what, what, what could happen? We're going to guard a dead guy. Maybe some ladies are going to show up, and they're going to put some spices on the body. Maybe some people are going to come and cry. Like, they were not anticipating dealing with an angel. It was not a part of the plan, and in case you're one of the people that ever want to, like, you know, claim that men are more brave than women— like, these dudes are trained military guards, and they just wet themselves and passed out. The ladies are a bit shaky, don't pass out, hang tight, we keep reading. It says this, then the angel spoke to the women, don't be afraid, he said. I know you are looking for Jesus who was crucified, he isn't here, he is risen from the dead, just as he said would happen. Come see where his body was lying. And now go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead and he is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there. Remember what I have told you. Jesus has just defeated death. He'd actually told everyone that it was coming, but nobody really understood it. But now it's happened. He, he has risen from the dead. And, and we know that nobody was anticipating it. In fact, these ladies, we know because of the fact that they went to the tomb, they think he's dead. It points to the fact that they didn't actually expect him to come back to life. And, and Jesus' closest followers, his disciples, they're good friends with these ladies. And none of his disciples, when they heard that the ladies were going to go down and, and put spices on the body, none of them were like, nah, don't go, he's not there. The disciples were like, yeah, he's probably still buried there. And now it's happened, though. Everything has changed, and yet they really don't know what to do. I mean, what, what's going to happen? What, how do we handle this situation? I mean, th this wasn't really their plan. This really wasn't what they had anticipated. And now they've got these instructions from the angel. And suddenly in this moment, they've got to decide. They are, they are literally at a fork in the road. The situation isn't what they expected. It isn't what they thought that they had heard. They hadn't thought that this was going to happen. And in this moment, I think we see the first guideline when it comes to establishing a fork in the road and how we're going to set those guidelines. And the first, first guideline is this, is decide what will ground your decisions. I mean, for these ladies, they're, they're, they've got to be confused. I mean, in a matter of a weekend, everything in their lives has been turned upside down. I mean, they've been followers of Jesus. They, they've loved Jesus. They've believed in Jesus. They, they gave their life to the cause that Jesus was leading. And they thought they understood the plan. And they figured everything was going smoothly until just a couple days ago. I mean, the guy that they were following, they, they were on Team Jesus. 
And they were following the guy that, that was performing miracles and that was always saying amazing words and he wasn't afraid of anything. And they decided they were going to lean into that and they thought that everything was going the way that it was going and, and they thought it was going to work out and maybe they were leaning into some of what their parents had told them. And all of a sudden they've come to this fork in the road. And now the angel is telling them, listen, what, what you truly wanted, like your greatest desire is for Jesus to be alive and he's alive. But these ladies are struggling with the fact that they just watched Jesus nailed to the cross. They just watched him die. They just watched them take Jesus' body down and wrap it up in burial clothes and watched him be laid to rest. So so now they have to wrestle with, what are they going to ground their decision on? Because what they're seeing isn't something they really understood. I mean, would they ground their decision on on Jesus saying that it was going to happen, but they didn't fully understand that it was going to happen? So right now... They don't really get it. And in the moment of not really getting it, they kind of need to determine what is going to ground their decision as they stand at this fork in the road. What are they going to do? Are they going to respond to what the angel has called them to do? And they decide that they're going to ground their decision on the fact that Jesus is no longer laying there in the tomb. That Jesus told them he wasn't going to stay dead. And now according to what the angel is saying and the instructions that the angel is giving him, This looks like the thing that they should base it on. And as we're about to read, Jesus is truly where they decided to be grounded. And ultimately, every decision, every choice that you and I are going to be going to make is going to be impacted, and we're going to the way we make that decision is going to be impacted by where we ground ourselves and what the grounding is. And and we need to decide to ground ourselves on something that is stable, something that is consistent, something that is dependable, something that is enduring. My guess is that most of you at some point in your life, you've you've stood on the edge of the beach, and you've walked up to the waves, and you've stood there, and, and the waves wash over your feet, and then as the water goes back, you can feel the sand kind of shifting underneath your feet, and you sink down a little bit. And then the wave comes in next, and it shifts the sand a little bit, and you sink a little bit lower, and the sand starts to cover your feet. And if you stand there long enough, the waves will just keep coming, and the waves will keep shifting the sand, and your feet will keep sinking, and you'll keep getting more and more buried by the sand. And if you choose to stand there long enough, you'll find that you sink down deep enough into the sand that, that at some point it starts to move up your leg and gets up around your calf, and you're standing there, and you've gotten yourself into a situation where you were standing on something that wasn't solid on something that wasn't very dependable. And if a large wave rolls in, it's going to knock you over. And you might get soaked. And in life, we have to decide that that we're going to ground ourselves in something that is solid, in something that we can depend on, that's something that is truthful, in, in, in something who has authority to guide us. We have to cling to something and allow ourselves to be grounded in something that when life gets crazy and when we face difficult moments, that we've actually ground ourselves on something that is stable and consistent and dependable and enduring. And what these ladies are realizing and what you and I need to realize is the most stable, the most consistent, the most dependable, enduring thing that we can ground ourselves in is Jesus. Jesus said he was going to die for our sins, and then he did. Jesus said that he was going to defeat death, and then he did. Jesus said that he would guide and direct us, and he does. He is the most sound place for you and I to ground ourselves when it comes to making decisions. So listen to how it played out for these ladies. Keep reading. It says this. So the women ran quickly from the tomb. They were very frightened, but also filled with great joy. 
And they rushed to give the, disciple, or give the disciples the angel's message. And as they went, Jesus met them and greeted them. And they ran to him, grasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, don't be afraid. Go tell my brothers to leave for Galilee, and they will see me there. So at the previous fork in the road, they have a, had a decision to make. Would they ground their decision in trusting the words of Jesus and, in, and seeing what had happened, that his body was no longer there? They based their decision on looking at what had happened. And because they based their decision on who Jesus was and what Jesus claimed, and because they responded to what the angel told them to do, they actually run into the person that they're looking for. Their response to the instructions of the angel and to go quickly is what led them to this moment, to find the guy that they were actually looking for. They were experiencing all kinds of emotions. They were excited, but they were scared. And rather than leaning into their emotions of being excited or being scared, they, they leaned into the information that they had about the true source of who Jesus was. And they headed off to find the disciples to tell them what was happening. They followed the instructions of the angel, and now they find Jesus. And immediately, immediately they give up on the quest to go find the guys, and they fall to the ground and worship Jesus. It, it's really another fork in the road. It's another opportunity, and without hesitation— they respond. They knew exactly what to do when they saw Jesus. And suddenly they're finding themselves encountering the guy that had been dead. And really they're finding themselves right face to face with the guy that they weren't really sure what was going on. They're like, Jesus, you had been dead and now you're alive and now you're here. And in that moment, they respond to that opportunity. And the response to the angel's instructions and the response when they saw Jesus actually leads us to another one of the guidelines for when we're establishing how we're going to make decisions. And the guideline that I want to point out to you is that sometimes we just need to decide to do what's right in front of you. Sometimes we try to make things so complicated, and what we need to do is that thing that's right there. I mean, this is what they were hoping for. This is what they wanted. They were, they were waiting for Jesus. They wanted Jesus to be alive. They thought he was dead, and now suddenly he's alive. They wanted their friends to know that Jesus was no longer dead, but in this moment, the best option was to choose to do what was right in front of them, to do what the angel had told them, and now the best option was to dive on the ground and worship Jesus. It was the thing that was right in front of them. And so often in life, we try to make things so complicated and try and figure it all out, and we try, we try to get this grand plan, and, and sometimes we just need to do the thing that's right there. I mean, if we have kids, we've probably made the decision at some point that, that we want to be the best parent we can be. And we get all worried about all the... Maybe just do the thing that's right in front of you, which is spend time with your kids. Maybe if you have a job and you don't really like the job and you want a new job, or maybe you're not paid enough, or... But maybe the thing that you need to do that's right in front of you is be the best employee that you can be in that job that you have. I mean, certainly you can go look for other options and you can consider other things, but the thing that's right in front of you right now that you need to decide to do is just work hard for the employer that is currently employing you. Maybe you've been thinking and feeling like you really need to start to get things right with God and you need to get things right spiritually and you need to decide to pursue that. Do what's right in front of you. You don't have to make it complicated. You don't Start to pray. Choose to be here each week and, and pay attention to what we're talking about here. Read your Bible. There's some things that you can choose to do that are right in front of you. 
Maybe you're thinking about your finances and, and you're recognizing, man, we've got to start getting some things right and we probably need to develop a plan. And, and sometimes we can get caught up in trying to develop this great big plan with spreadsheets and all. Don't get bogged down with all of that. I mean, you can make time and you can figure that out, but decide to make the wise decision that's right in front of you right now. Decide not to spend money that you don't have. We, we don't have to make life complicated. Sometimes it's right in front of us. And sometimes we just need to do that thing that is right in front of us. And sometimes things are so complicated and we can't think down the road. Sometimes we just need to chill out and take what God has placed in our path. We all this, so oftentimes we want all of the steps and we want to know all the things that are down the road and we want to know how everything is going to play out and we want to know all of the steps and sometimes we're like, what's the five-year plan and what's the 10-year plan? And sometimes we just need to take the next step. Sometimes we just need to recognize that the best choice is right in front of you and you simply need to respond to it. And that's what the ladies did. They saw the opportunity. They heard from the angel to go, and they went, and they saw Jesus, and it was an opportunity to worship, and they did. Keep reading. It says, And as the women were on their way, some of the guards went into the city and told the leading priests what had happened. A meeting with the elders was called, and they decided to give the soldiers a large bribe. They told the soldiers, You must say, Jesus' disciples came during the night while we were sleeping, and they stole his body. If the governor hears about it, we'll stand up for you so you won't get in trouble. So the guards accepted the bribe and said what they were told to say. Their story spread widely among the Jews, and they still tell it today. Okay, these guards are dead, so I'm not in any jeopardy here. These guys are a bunch of meatheads. I mean, listen, I don't know a whole lot about being a guard. I'm not saying all guards are meatheads. These two guys, or these guards are dumb. I mean... These guys are supposed to be on the lookout. They're, they're, they're guarding something. And I tend to think when things go wrong and you're in that position, when there's an item that you are responsible for keeping safe and to make sure that it hasn't gone missing, that it doesn't get stolen, the worst excuse you can ever make when you were guarding something and now it's gone is, well, I fell asleep. You, you, you paid me to stay alert and watch carefully, and I just decided to doze off. And that really valuable object that, it's gone, my bad. Hey, this is a terrible plan. There's nothing good in this for the guards. I mean, they got a bribe, but really, I mean, just tell the truth. I mean, if, if, or maybe come up with a better lie, at least. I mean, you make some story about how you got jumped by hundreds of guys, and you tried to fight them off, and they just kept coming, and you, you just you gave it your best effort, but you, you really tried. But these guys are going to go with the excuse of we fell asleep? And we don't know how this plays out. But, but the penalty at this particular time in history is if you fell asleep on the job as a guard and the thing went missing, you got killed. The cost for falling asleep and not doing your job was they were going to take your life. And so what made these guards possibly think this was a good idea? I have no idea. And maybe they didn't get killed for it. Maybe, maybe the, the priests, you know, were able to smooth things over and they, they didn't get whatever. But, but imagine the next time they will go to get a job. I mean, imagine the interview process when, after they've been fired from this gig. I mean, the next time they're, you know, they're sitting there in the interview and the, the interviewer says, so uh, tell us why'd you leave your last job as a guard? Well, well, I was assigned to guard the body of the most influential person in the history of the world and I fell asleep. 
Oh, was he alive and active? No, he was dead and he got away. Why are they doing it? But for whatever reason, they let the priest talk them into making this terrible decision. They reported they were asleep. Which brings us to the third guideline when we're choosing and determining how we're going to make decisions and how we're going to decide when we come to a fork in the road. And that next next guideline is to decide who gets to speak into your life. Who are you going to allow to speak into your life? And for these guards, they're at a fork in the road. And they get to decide in this moment, will they lie? Will they say that they fell asleep, which is what they did? Will they make up the story that they fell asleep and the disciples came and stole the body? Which really makes them look even more incompetent. I mean, it's not like the disciples are master criminals. They're not skilled fighters. They're not trained ninjas. I mean, these guards, they are military-trained guards admitting that a couple fishermen and a tradesman and an IRS agent outdid them. They're letting the the priests speak into and direct their lives. These priests are not thinking about the best for these guards. They are only thinking about themselves. They are only thinking about their own agenda. And in your life, so many people are going to try to say things about you and about what you should be and about what you should do. And you and I, we get to decide which voices will actually play a role and speak into our lives. Now, being a pastor, I don't know if you know this, this is a job where everyone has an opinion on how it should be done. Like a lot of you have jobs, and I have no idea how to do your job. But for whatever reason, a majority of people think they know how this job should be done. And not only do people think they have an idea how this job should be done, most people aren't afraid to speak that idea. So many people believe that they know how this job should be done, and they're willing to tell me, tell me their thoughts. And they're willing to tell other people their thoughts on how this job should be done. Which means I have to decide who gets to speak into my life. I get to decide which comments I'm going to listen to because not everyone has my best interest at heart. Not everybody has the church's best interest in their mind. So if I listen to everybody's ideas and everybody's opinions and everybody's direction and everybody's thoughts, I'm going to be a disaster. At every fork in the road, I will get thrown back and forth again and again. And honestly, there's probably about 10 people that I trust to really speak into my life. And if right now you're convinced that you're on that list, that is great. You just hold on to that and run with it, because I know who it is. So you can keep sending me all the messages you want. I just know who I'm going to listen to. But in your life, it's so important that each of us decide who are the individuals that are going to speak into our life, so that we don't get tossed around by everybody's ideas. That we look to those individuals that we can trust to really speak truth in our lives. We're not just looking for people that are going to, you know, pat us on the back and say you're good. We, we need people that are willing to speak truth into our lives and, and are, are willing to speak for our best interest, not looking for themselves, that, that will tell us what we need to hear. We need people that we can listen to, that, that can help us make decisions, who know where we want to be and know what the priorities are in our lives and can speak towards that. And so now we've got these ladies, the two Marys. 
And the story goes that they, they go on and they find the disciples, and, and we don't read it in this particular story, but we know in the next couple of verses the guys actually do exactly what the angel and Jesus has instructed, so we know that the ladies got to the disciples and passed on the message, because the guys went forward. They did what Jesus said, they did what the angel said, so the ladies obviously got there. So we pick it up in verse 16, it says this. It says, Then the eleven disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some of them doubted. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, or all peoples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Okay, Jesus just lays it out there pretty clear. Jesus isn't making any suggestions. This isn't a brainstorming session Jesus is having with the 11 guys. Like, how do you guys feel? Does this sound good to everybody? They've just spent the previous three years with Jesus, pretty much every hour, every day, watching Jesus, listening to Jesus, discussing things with Jesus, gaining wisdom from Jesus, learning from Jesus. And Jesus takes this moment to roll all of them up and give them the most important thing they need to know as they move through their lives. When they come to, any time they come to a fork in the road, they're going to use this to help them make decisions. And when you and I are considering guidelines for our lives, the last one that we need to look at is that we need to decide that God's purpose will direct our life. Because when you and I identify our purpose, it will guide everything that we do. Everything in your life will be driven and influenced and motivated by what you decide to make the purpose of your life. And God lays out for us a purpose. And Jesus wasn't telling these guys, hey, stop being a fisherman or stop being a carpenter or a farmer. Stop being a tax collector. He wasn't saying stop being a husband or a father or a friend or a brother. He wasn't saying stop doing all those things. What Jesus was saying is, this is what your life needs to be all about. Make this your purpose, and then allow it to influence how you act as a husband. Allow this to be the purpose of your life, and let it guide you as you interact with people at your job. Let this be your purpose, and allow it to interact and be reflected in the hobbies that you take on, and how you participate in those hobbies. Let this become the purpose that guides your life, and as you make decisions along the way, continually as you come to a fork in the road, recognize, does it fit God's purpose for my life, which is to help people know who Jesus is, or does it not? Because if in your life or in my life, we can, we can establish all kinds of different purposes. And if in your life you decide that the purpose of your life is to get as much money as possible, then what you'll do is you'll look at every relationship and you'll look at every job and you'll look at every interaction through the filter of, does this help me make more money? And if it doesn't help you make more money, then you'll cut it out and move on. And if the purpose in your life is to make sure that people like you, to make as much people as possible like you, then you will spend all of your resources towards that end. You will talk towards that end. You'll dress for that. You'll drive for that. Everything will be done in an attempt to help people like you. Uh, really, there, it's, it's an endless list of things that we could decide to allow to be the purpose that is going to guide our life. And it's not that all of them are bad, but ultimately, they're going to determine how we're going to make decisions. And we have the opportunity to look at what Jesus said and allow that to be the purpose for us. 
I mean, we could make the purpose be that we want to be famous or that we want to fight social, social injustice. Maybe it's about political change. Maybe it's protecting endangered animals. Maybe it's you want to make your kids have everything they want. Maybe it's that you want to become a sports star. Maybe you want to collect stamps. It doesn't, there's so many different purposes we could have in our lives. But ultimately, Jesus is laying out that the best option for our life, the best option for the purpose of our life, is to follow the purpose that Jesus has just laid out for his disciples. To go everywhere, to do everything that you possibly can do to help make disciples of him. Which is ultimately helping people understand who Jesus is and enter into relationship with him. He's basically saying to the guys, hey listen, Remember how I told everybody how I was telling you for three years that eventually I'm going to die for everybody's sins? Hey, you guys remember how we talked about the price for sin is death and that I was willing to accept that for everybody? Hey, guys, remember how I told you that, that, that I would die, but then three days later I would be raised from the dead and come back to life? He's like, all of that is what has happened. And if people believe in me, I want to show them the most incredible way to live and the way that they can spend all eternity with me in heaven. It's like, remember that we talked about all of that? Remember all that I said was going to happen? It just happened. It just happened. And now that can become the purpose of your life. He's like, I died and I defeated death. And now we can offer forg- I can offer forgiveness and life to everybody. He was giving them an opportunity to decide that this would be the purpose. And you and I have the opportunity to allow the- this to be the purpose that will guide our life. That every decision that we make, ultimately we get to ask ourselves, will this decision help me point other people to Jesus? When I'm at work, the decision that I'm making, will this decision help me point people to Jesus? As a dad, am I making decisions that are going to help point my kids to Jesus? When I'm doing this particular hobby or whatever it is that I'm doing that's enjoying, something I enjoy in my life, am I doing it in such a way that point people to Jesus? When I'm making money, when I'm spending money, when I'm talking about money, am I pointing people towards Jesus? Jesus isn't saying we need to stop living. He's saying we need to live in a different way. In fact, we need to live in such a way that when we face a fork in the road, we lean into God's purpose for our life and it influences our decisions so much that people watch that and see that and they're like, how do I get a hold of that? And when God's purpose for our life is influencing each and every decision that we make, even when we get a wrong decision, even when we get a decision wrong, it will be the right decision. As long as you and I are continually pursuing God's purpose for our life, each and every decision that we make ultimately will be the right one because we're doing things in such a way with the intention of helping point people to Jesus. And people will see your life and they'll see my life and they'll see the way that we're handling these different fork in the road moments where we're able to handle them and face them with a confidence because we're being guided by God, we're being guided by his perspective, we're being guided by all of the things that Jesus has done for us. And ultimately, each and everything that we're doing is helping point people to Jesus in each and every decision that we make. And every week, we really want to encourage you to consider some next steps. And so we put these in the message notes, and we put them there online for you. And really, really what we're hoping is that you'll reflect and think about and consider for yourself how you're going to respond to what we've talked about this morning. It's a great way for us to be able to pray for you as God is working in your life. But as you think about establishing some guidelines for how you're going to make decisions when you come to a fork in the road, what's your next step? Maybe your next step is this morning you just need to decide to join us each week for this fork in the road series. 
Maybe your next step is to confirm and understand what's grounding you and is it truly grounded. Maybe your next step is to be selective on the voices that you will allow to speak into your life. And maybe your next step is to determine that the purpose you follow is really worth your life. Whatever it is, I would just encourage you to respond to that and begin to process this as you face different decisions in life and allow these guidelines to influence how you're making those decisions. And ultimately, leaning into Jesus and leaning into what he's done for you and recognizing that he wants to guide and direct your life. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for all that you've done for us. Thank you for the fact that you died on the cross, that you rose from the dead. And Jesus, thank you that you give us the opportunity to to face life and to make decisions that you haven't called us to be robots, but you've given us the opportunity to lean into you, to use the wisdom that you've given us. God, would you be with us as we start to develop these ideas of how to make better decisions when we come to to forks in the road and have to decide which way we're going to go. God, help us to recognize that you want to guide and you want to lead, but, but you've given us the ability to have wisdom and knowledge. We have the ability to make great decisions, so help us to lean into you. Help us to trust you. Help us to grow in this process and become more and more like you, and help us to point more and more people to you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.